Welcome to Friendship with God. Today, Tom Cantor will teach us from Genesis chapter 26 as we study the development of the man of God in Isaac and how God looked on Isaac with his infirmity of fear and comforted Isaac to not be afraid. Before we begin our Bible teaching program here with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, on Friendship with God, we'd like to encourage you to visit our websites, friendshipwithgod.org and also israelrestoration.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org and israelrestoration.org. Both websites have information about our Friendship with God radio Bible teaching program and also our Jewish evangelism outreach ministry with Israel Restoration Ministries with our summer blitz that's going on right now in 15 cities across the U.S. and Canada, reaching Jewish people with our 111 missionaries that are working full-time out on the streets, house-to-house, corner-to-corner, person-to-person, reaching lost Jewish people with the gospel and building discipleship-type relationships and bringing them to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ and also growing them in their friendship with God. If you'd like to be a part of that or learn more, you can again go to our website friendshipwithgod.org or israelrestoration.org. You can also donate online, and you can also call us directly for more information at 1-800-247-3051. That's 800-247-3051. And once again, that's 800-247-3051 to learn more information about Friendship with God, the Bible teaching radio program with Tom Cantor, and Israel Restoration Ministries, our Jewish Evangelism Outreach Ministry. Again, 800-247-3051. Now here is Tom Cantor teaching us from Genesis chapter 26 as we study the development of the man of God in Isaac and how God looked on Isaac with his infirmity of fear and comforted Isaac to not be afraid. First, let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, that whether we are here on earth or here in heaven, Eternal life is eternal life. And this morning, Lord, we want to prepare better for our each individual eternal life that we have now. So help us, Lord, to learn from you as we study this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. Genesis chapter 26, verse 1. And there was a famine in the land beside the first famine that was in the days of Abraham. And Isaac went unto Abimelech, king of the Philistines, unto Gerar. And the Lord appeared unto him and said, Go not down into Egypt, Dwell in the land which I shall tell thee of, sojourn in this land, and I will be with thee and will bless thee, for unto thee and unto thy seed I will give all these countries, and I will perform the oath which I swear unto Abraham thy father. And I will make thy seed to multiply as the stars of heaven, and will give unto thy seed all these countries, and in thy seed shall all the nations of the earth be blessed. Because that Abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge, my commandments, my statutes, my laws. And Isaac dwelt in Gerar, and the men of that place asked him of his wife, and he said, She's my sister. For he feared to say, She's my wife, lest, said he, the men of the place should kill me for Rebekah, because she was fair to look upon. And it came to pass, when he had been there a long time, that Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked out at a window and saw, and behold, Isaac was sporting with Rebekah's wife. And Abimelech called Isaac and said, Behold, of a surety, she's thy wife. And how saidst thou, She's my sister? Isaac said unto him, Because I said, Lest I die for her. And Abimelech said, What is this thou hast done unto us? One of the people might lightly have lied with thy wife, and thou shouldst brought guiltiness upon us. And Abimelech charged all his people, saying, He that toucheth this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Then Isaac sowed in that land and received in the same year a hundredfold. And the Lord blessed him. 
And the man waxed great and went forward and grew until he became very great, for he had possessions of flocks, possessions of herds, great store of servants. Philistines envied him. For all the wells which his father's servants had digged in the days of Abraham his father, the Philistines had stopped them, filled them with earth. And Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for thou art much mightier than we. Isaac departed thence, pitched his tent in the valley of Gerar, and dwelt there. Isaac digged again the wells of water which they had digged in the days of Abraham his father. For the Philistines had stopped them after the death of Abraham. And he called their names after the names by which his father had called them. And Isaac's servants digged in the valley and found there a well of springing water. And the herdmen of Gerar did strive with Isaac's herdmen, saying, The water's ours. And he called the name of that well Essek, because they strove with him. Digged another well, strove for that also. He calls it Sitna. And he removed thence and digged another well, and for that they strove not, calls the name of it Rehoboth, for he said, Now the Lord hath made room for us, and we shall be fruitful in the land. Okay, now, this is a very important chapter. We come here in chapter 26, and we saw in our last study, this is the chapter that's dedicated exclusively to Isaac. It's Isaac's chapter. We saw that Abraham's passed from the scene. He's not here in this chapter. And so we're not looking at Isaac in the shadow of Abraham. Esau's not in this chapter. Jacob's not in this chapter. This is a chapter where we see Isaac, the man of God. Or we could say, this is a chapter where we see Isaac and his God. And so by seeing this in this chapter, Isaac, the man of God, we gain a deeper depth of understanding and meaning for why it's so important when we call God, or he calls himself, I am the God of Isaac. And so in order for us to gain this benefit from this chapter, then we've got to really ask the question, just exactly what kind of a person was Isaac, the man of God? And so what we've seen in Isaac's past, and what we'll see in this Isaac, is a very consistent development of Isaac, the man of God. He is a man who is composed, he's content, because he trusts in God Almighty, and he proves that he's that way because he waits on God for God to resolve the problems. See, Isaac is an embodiment of what Paul spoke about when he said in 2 Corinthians 12.10, Therefore, I take pleasures in infirmities, in reproaches, in necessities, in persecutions, in distresses, for Christ's sake, for when I am weak, then am I strong. That's Isaac. That's Isaac. See, 1 Corinthians 12.10, that verse speaks about infirmities, reproaches, necessities, persecutions, and distresses. And we see all of that in Isaac's life. We see infirmity in Isaac's life. He had the infirmity of fear. Isaac was not brave. Isaac would look at his half-brother Ishmael and say, he's brave, I'm not. Isaac would look at his son Esau and say, he's brave, I'm not. Because Isaac had this infirmity of fear, and it caused him, that's what caused him to not say that Rebekah was his wife. As we saw in Genesis 26, 7, where it says the men of the place asked him of his wife, he said, she's my sister. For he feared to say, she's my wife. Lest, said he, the men of the place should kill me for Rebekah, because she was fair to look upon. See, when God looked at Isaac with his infirmity of fear, God said to him, don't be afraid, Isaac. And you see that in verse 24, when the Lord appeared unto him the same night and said, I am the God of Abraham thy father, fear not, for I am with thee and will bless thee and will multiply thy seed for my servant Abraham's sake. See, Isaac's infirmity was fear. He was afraid. And then 2 Corinthians 12.10 speaks about reproaches. And we see reproaches in Isaac's life. Isaac is reproached 
He is standing there before Abimelech. He's told a bold-faced lie, a complete lie, and he's standing there being reproached for it in verse 9 when Abimelech calls Isaac and said, Behold, of a surety, she's thy wife. How saidst thou she's my sister? Isaac said, I was afraid. He said, lest I die for her. So Isaac is reproached for lying, and he's reproached for being afraid, and then he's reproached for becoming rich. You notice that in verse 10? You will notice that a little bit later on. But then also, Paul spoke about not just those, but he also spoke about necessities. And that's what we see Isaac having here. He's got a necessity for food, forcing him to go into this land of Gerar in the first place. That was our verse 1. There's a famine in the land. He's got necessity for water, because when they stop up all his wells. And then in 2 Corinthians 12.10, it speaks about persecutions. And Isaac is being persecuted. Isaac is expelled from the land. In verse 16, Abimelech said unto Isaac, Go from us, for our much mightier than us. Isaac was persecuted as he was being expelled from the land. So Isaac, in his life, he starts a pattern for his seed. He starts a pattern for the Jewish people of being expelled from land to land. Like Isaac, the Jewish people have been expelled from Israel, the land of Israel, Palestine. They've been expelled from England. They've been expelled from Italy, from Greece, from Spain, from Portugal, from France, from Germany, from Poland, from Austria, from all of Eastern Europe. Name me a country where they haven't been expelled from. You have trouble finding them. All of Europe. They've been expelled from Russia. They've been expelled from Iran. They've been expelled from Iraq. They've been expelled from the Arab countries. They've been expelled from North Africa. See, Isaac is persecuted, being expelled from his home. And then 2 Corinthians 12.10 speaks about distresses. And we saw the distress in Isaac because he knew that Abimelech hated him. And you see that in verse 27. Isaac said unto them, Wherefore you come to me, seeing ye hate me, for you sent me away from you. See, he's distressed by his neighbors who hated him. So when we look at this list in 2 Corinthians 12.10, we see Isaac had them all. He's got the infirmity, he's got the reproaches, he's got the necessities, he's got the persecutions, he's got the stresses, and that all made Isaac know how weak he was. And it was that knowledge of Isaac's weakness that actually made him strong. Because as it says in 2 Corinthians 12.10, he says, for when I am weak, weak from what, Paul? Weak from the infirmities, reproaches, necessities, persecution, and distresses. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. And when it came to Isaac's shortcomings, the facts were so strong that pride never got in the way of Isaac saying those two words we talked about last week that will open God's door, and those two words are, help me. And he knew how to say that, help me. And therefore, he was helped by God. So with all of Isaac's problems, We see in Isaac a man of God who was composed and who was content in his trust in Almighty God and who waited on God to resolve problem by problem. And it's those characteristics in Isaac that makes him so relevant to our lives. That's what makes him relevant. Because we have problems in our lives and God looks at us and he asks the question, what's it going to be? Will you call on me as the God of Isaac? Because if you call on me on the God of Isaac, that means that you're willing to be composed, content, and trust in me as the Almighty God, and that you're going to wait for me to resolve the problem. He looks at us and he says, will you call on me as the God of Isaac? And will you let me handle your problems as Isaac did? 
with a composure, with a contentment that's based on me as the Almighty God, and it will show itself and that you're waiting for me to solve the problems? See, all of Isaac's troubles can all be seen with the word of no in front of it. See, for example, we saw Isaac's first trouble in Genesis 22, and his father and him were walking up the hill to Mount Moriah. Isaac sees there's no lamb for a burnt offering. So he asks the question in Genesis 22:7, the famous question. He spoke to his father, behold the fire and the wood, where's the lamb for a burnt offering? And when Isaac gets the answer that indicates, and he's not stupid, that he might be the lamb, then Isaac's composed, Isaac's content to trust in Almighty God. He's submissive. If he's going to be the sacrifice on Mount Moriah, he doesn't fight back. He doesn't run away. He trusts that God will provide. We'll return with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. All of Tom Cantor's teaching messages are available for free at friendshipwithgod.org. You can listen to them or download them again at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor also has resources that are available at our website with his online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. He also is the owner-operator of the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California, the original Creation Museum, and this online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org will help you to grow your friendship with God, learning about creation from a biblical perspective, as well as other resources that will help you grow your friendship with God and knowledge of science and the Bible. So for these thousands of resources that are available directly for you, go to friendshipwithgod.org, click on Tom Cantor Materials, or go to creationsd.org. And because he remained composed, and because he remained content to trust God and didn't fight back, he became a type of the Lord Jesus Christ on that mountain. He also became a, a type of the church that had a substitution for its sins. So we've seen how that was true. Then we saw how Isaac, he's 40 years old, and he's got no wife. And we saw then, he's composed, he's content to trust God for a wife and wait for the bride that somehow Abraham and Eliezer, they had cooked it up, they were going to get him a bride. And so because he did wait on God, he found the perfect wife that comforted him, that satisfied him with love for all of his life. It's interesting when you think about how he got a wife and you contrast how Isaac's wife was found at the well, at a well, and Jacob's wife was found at a well. It's probably the same well. And in the case of Isaac, what we read about at that well is that Isaac's wife was found by prayer and by waiting for God to indicate who his choice was. Now, in the case of Jacob, we're going to see at that well, there's no prayer, there's no waiting for God, but there's a kiss. All right, so he gives the kiss and gets the girl named Rachel. And I'll leave it up to you if you think that was God's choice. And we've seen how after 20 years with no children, how Isaac remains composed, he remains content to trust God for children. With Rebecca, he waits on God. He doesn't come up with the scheme to go approach some handmaiden's bed and have a baby there. And as a result of Isaac's waiting on God, he's rewarded with children from Rebecca. There's no Ishmael in his house. And in verse 1, we see how Isaac was suffering from hunger, of famine. He doesn't have any food, but he remains composed. He's content. He trusts God. He listens to God. He doesn't fight his way down into Egypt for food. 
And as a result, we see in verse 12, Isaac sows in that land of famine and received in the same year a hundredfold, and the Lord blessed him. In verse 15, we saw how Isaac was suffering from no water because of some aggressive sheep herders from Gerar there, and they stopped all the wells that he inherited from his father that were rightly his. It says in verse 15, all the wells which his father served to dig in the days of Abraham, his father, Philistine stopped them, filled them with earth. There's poor Isaac. If you see him there, and this wasn't one well, this was one well after another well. So what we see Isaac doing is he's yielding his wells one by one to aggressive shepherds, these Philistine shepherds. He's ever receding back into this little corner of land, and then they stop that well, and he recedes back, and he's forced into another little corner of land. And does Isaac fight back and protest and say, you can't do that? Now, that's what Abraham would have done. That's what Isaac would have done. And that's what you and I would have done. <laughs> we would have said, we're not tolerating this. But not Isaac. Isaac remains composed and content. He's trusting God as he patiently waits for God to provide for him. So it's all about an attitude. I remember how Dave Hall, how he was using his puppets there to bring the gospel at City Park. And a park ranger came and told him, you can't do that. Now, the ranger's wrong. Dave has his First Amendment right, constitutional right, use the puppets to bring the gospel. But does Dave fight back? No, he doesn't. He yields, takes down his puppet stage. Why? Because David had Isaac's attitude of being composed and content and trusting God, and he waited for God to resolve the problem. And so what happened? We're going to see what happened. Dave's going to walk in the door here pretty soon with Shauna, who was a fruit of that effort there from City Park. Shauna got saved. I remember another time how Diana and uh, Ruben Huerta, we were in Tijuana, and we were going to this event, and there was just no place to park. There was no place to park. But there was a man, and he was selling his parking spot in front of a small, as part of a small little apartment house. And the price he was asking was the equivalent of $5 in pesos. And so Ruben parks the car there. And then when we return, Ruben's getting out his pesos and I mean, you know, it's not that Ruben's unfamiliar. Ruben's from Mexico City. He knows what pesos are. But somehow he accidentally gives him the equivalent of $50 in pesos. And the man takes off and runs away. Then Ruben realizes what he did. It was interesting. I watched Ruben as he watched the man. And Ruben didn't go yelling after the man to come back. Ruben turned to us all and he said, oh, well, he probably needed the $50. (laughs) Deanna's wife said, that's my husband. (laughs) See, that's an attitude that Reuben had. And that was the attitude that Isaac had. And that's the attitude that the Lord Jesus Christ was referring to when he said in Matthew 5, 41, whosoever shall compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. And the next verse in Matthew 5, 42, give to him that asketh thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn thou not away. And Luke 6, 29, unto him that smiteth thee on the one cheek, Offer also the other, and him that would taketh away thy cloak, forbid not to take thy coat also. So God watched as Isaac was pushed into yielding from one well after another, and then God rewards him. In verse 19, Isaac's servants dig the valley, found there a well of springing water. Now how can a person who is having his wells destroyed one by one, being pushed around like this, be so composed? How does he do that? Well, one way he does it is by a typical Jewish trait of making a joke out in the midst of a very horrible situation. 
You know, the Jewish people would do that when they would arrive at the concentration camps in Germany. They would joke about, this is all very nicely well organized by the Germans, <laughs> laying out all these camps. And they would ask questions like, what time is the last time you can ask for room service? And it's that joking manner here that Isaac has when he names the wells. He says, okay, we'll call that one striving. Now we got one room. They made room for us. So we see in verse 9 that Abimelech calls Isaac and says, behold, of a surety, she's thy wife. How saidest thou? She's my sister. And he says, yeah, it was a shame. So here he is. He's standing there in shame. He's got no reputation before Abimelech. He's been caught in a lie. Does he try to fight back and say, well, she's really my sister to some stretch of the imagination like his father Abraham did? He doesn't do that. Not He just remains composed. He remains content. He's being rebuked. He's trusting in God to help him. He isn't standing up. And God rewards him. Because now we see here in verse 29, Abimelech says, Thou will do us no hurt, as we have not touched thee, as we have not done unto thee nothing but good. <laughs> That's funny. And we have sent thee away in peace. That's funny too. Then he says, Thou art now the blessed of the Lord. You're the blessed of the Lord. See, he starts off and he's the liar, but now they see he's like a prince. He's blessed of God. And then we're going to see that Isaac, he's going to be betrayed by his wife, Rebekah, and his son, Jacob, who are going to conspire against him to deceive him. So he's got no loyalty from his wife or his son. And what are we going to see? We're going to see Isaac retaliate against his wife and his son? No. We're going to see again, he's composed, he's content, he trusts God, he waits God for the resolution, and he goes through an almost instantaneous reconciliation with his wife and with his son. And the evidence that Isaac was composed and he was content to trust God and he waited for God to resolve the problem there is that he harbored no bitterness. He held no bitterness. Oh, what a goal. What a goal to come to our deathbed with no bitterness against anyone. And you really see this no bitterness when you look down at verse 27 when it says Abimelech went to him from Gerar and Ahuzah, one of his friends, and Phicol, the chief captain of his army, and Isaac said unto them, Wherefore come ye to me, seeing ye hate me, ye sent me away. See, he, there are three men who are responsible for Isaac's expulsion from the land. There are three men who are responsible for Isaac's persecution. They might as well have asked him to wear a yellow star. And for destroying his wells, they might as well have had a crystal knock. And he says to them in verse 27, You hate me, and you sent me away from you. And so what does Isaac do to the people who hate him? What does he do to the people who expel him from his land? I'll tell you what he does. It says in verse 30, he made them a feast and they did eat and drink. He makes them a big dinner. He says, let's just eat and drink together. That's Isaac, like Reuben. Like Dana said, that's Reuben. This is Isaac. Isaac says, you hate me? You've exiled, exiled me out? I'm glad you came. Let me make you a dinner. And we'll eat and drink. We'll have a great time together. See, if Isaac had any bitterness toward them, he would have said to himself, how soon can I get rid of you? You make me feel so dirty. I need to wash after you go. But that's not Isaac. Isaac says, I'm so glad. Stay, stay. We'll eat. We'll, we'll have a, a feast. Not just a snack, a feast. And we'll eat and have a good time. See, when Isaac did that, when Isaac made that feast, he was doing exactly what the Lord Jesus Christ was saying in those passages there, Sermon on the Mount. Matthew 5, 43. The next verse is after the ones we read. 43 for 44. You've heard that it has been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, love your enemies. Make a feast for them. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you. Seeing you hate me. 
curse you, you sent me away. Pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you that you may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh the sun to rise on the evil and on the good, sendeth his rain upon the just and on the unjust. See, when Isaac makes that feast for his enemies, you picture God in heaven saying to those around him, look at that, just look at that down there. Look at what Isaac's doing. Do you see that? He's loving his enemies. He's doing good to them. They've despitefully used him. They have persecuted him. But look, he's like me. I send my good son on the unjust and the rain. Isaac's acting like me. Isaac's really my child. A great way to start out a Monday by studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Now, if you'd like to support Friendship with God, this Bible teaching radio program, you can do so by making an online donation at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. And visit our website to get more information and materials there about Tom Cantor and our ministry. You can also call to support us at one 800 247 3051. That's 800-247-3051. Once again, 800-247-3051. Remember, any donation of any amount is tax deductible, 100%, and none of it goes towards administration costs. So you can support Friendship with God and also Jewish evangelism through Israel Restoration Ministries and our summer blitz that's going on right now in 15 cities, Jewish cities, with 111 missionaries. If you'd like to support that, 100% tax deductible, you can by going to israelrestoration.org or calling us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Thanks for listening and join us again tomorrow. 